Sports Center. I'm Christine Lisi. Frank Reich's head coaching tenure in Carolina lasted less than one season. The 1-10 Panthers, winless in six road games and headed toward a six-straight losing season, fired Reich. It's the third time they've fired a coach midseason since 2019. First take co-host, Shannon Sharp. You can't just keep firing coaches, firing coaches, firing coaches because you're going to keep getting the same results over and over and over again. You're going to have to, and because you gave up so much to get this, you're going to have to really hit on the guys that you do select in the later rounds. Yeah. They're going to have to knock it out the park. And you're going to have to overspend in free agency because you always have to overspend in free agency. Carolina also fired assistant head coach, running backs coach Deuce Staley, and quarterbacks coach Josh McCown. Special teams coordinator Chris Tabor takes over as Panthers interim coach. According to Giants GM Joe Shane, their expectation is that Daniel Jones will still be their starting quarterback when he's healthy. They do, however need to address the position as Jones' recovery from a knee injury could take up until the summer or beyond. An MRI showed no structural damage or fractures to Tampa Bay quarterback Baker Mayfield's injured right ankle. Hey, it's Evan Cohen. It's Giving Tuesday, and ESPN Radio will celebrate ESPN's commitment to funding critical research to find a cure. It's Unsportsmanlike, Tuesday morning, right here on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, and ESPNU. Of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. On a sun splashed Monday, we are back. Yes, the sports huddle is back after a week's hiatus. Not just the long Thanksgiving break, but an entire week's hiatus last week because of my travels with Richmond basketball. We weren't on at the beginning of the week. And then with the holiday, we weren't on at the end of the week. So we got a lot of catching up to do as the sports huddle gets underway for this week, which, again, is going to be a disjointed, abbreviated week as well for me. Not for the guy that you just heard from, Matt Josephs, on Border to Border. He's back full go this week, but Richmond basketball on the road midweek is going to take me out for a couple days, and a very good reason, Richmond football still playing and on the road Saturday. It's going to take me out for travel on Friday as well so a little disjointed a little abbreviated today for the huddle thursday for the huddle and that's about it for this week but it's for very good reasons and hey we had a very good weekend didn't we here in the commonwealth i think we really had a good weekend save obviously for uva but somebody was going to have a bad saturday and it turned out that virginia had a bad 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 saturday and virginia tech made itself bowl eligible we've got four teams from the commonwealth how amazing is that i've been around these parts long enough and matt josephs who's joining me on mashup monday today for the next hour at least um also has been around long enough we only had two teams in the fbs for a long time in virginia and virginia tech and now i know you're excited about that matt and i am too i'm, I'm really happy for liberty and for Old Dominion, and obviously for James Madison, and pretty impressive what Brent Pry and his crew did to make themselves bowl eligible with six wins. Now, look, there's a lot of mediocrity out there, right? There's a lot of six and six mediocre football teams that are going to go to bowl games. I'm one of person who doesn't think they deserve to do that, but when you have, you know, 42 bowl games, you obviously have to include it. In a perfect world for me, 
I would say you got to have seven wins, and you have to finish with a winning record when that bowl game is over because it's a reward. You deserve to go to a bowl game as a reward for a good season. You finish six and seven, a lot of coaches get fired when they're six and seven. So that's just kind of my aside in my opinion. My point there, Matt, was good year for the Commonwealth of Virginia to have four bowl-eligible teams. So you're telling me, Bob, that a bowl game that has an edible mascot doesn't deserve a potential 6-6 <laughs> six and six team? Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying, yes. <sighs> they need to have at least seven wins, but that's probably an argument for another day at this point because obviously we couldn't, we can't fill the bowl schedule now with six-win teams. We're going to have at least one five-win team, if I saw it correctly, right? Minnesota yep. is going to be eligible to go to a bowl game with five wins. Yep, and uh, by the way, wouldn't the Royal rivalry have taken a massive step forward if ODU scoring that last-second touchdown knocked JMU out from a bowl game? Wouldn't that have uh, been spicy for the rivalry? Yes, it would have. It absolutely would have. We didn't want that. I know you didn't want no. that, being the JMU fanatic that you are, certainly. Where, where are they going, man? I mean, I think, see, I think this is all playing out just fine. I think it was a lot of wasted energy and a lot of wasted breath over the last couple of months by people who didn't have any business getting involved in it. I'm okay with JMU getting involved in it, but there are certain other people that never should have gotten involved in that fight. And now JMU, I think, is going to reap the rewards of the season that it had. I would love... I mean, there's one matchup that only makes sense, Bob. I mean, I I think you know where I'm going here. You're going Liberty, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, obviously, look, there's a bunch of different ways you can go. You can have JMU play an unmotivated Power 5 team, which I don't know what that does. Like, if JMU gets a mid-level Big Ten team or a mid-level ACC team, it would be nice for them to win, but they're going to be unmotivated. Liberty and JMU playing each other would be humongous. It's just which bowl would that happen in? As you said, I heard you in the 3 o'clock hour. You hope it's somewhere reasonably close to the Commonwealth so a lot of us could get there, you could get there, that kind of thing. I get that for sure. I don't know. Are they on each other's schedules in the future? I haven't I haven't looked at their future schedules if, if they're playing or not. So it would. That would be attractive. Here's the problem with that one. That would be attractive to the Commonwealth of Virginia. I'm not sure ESPN would be overly fired up about it. I guess they would because of the storylines. But the rest of the country, you know, you're looking at two teams from the same state, and it probably doesn't resonate in Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, Michigan, wherever. Um, But I do think it would be great. I think the storylines are good. The Liberty storyline is good. Obviously, JMU has been in the headlines virtually all season. So I think that one would be fine. I'm a little surprised at you, Matt. I'm surprised that you didn't try and match JMU up with with one of your beloved Maction teams from – from the MAC, right? I mean, I think you've got several possibilities there in in Toledo, which has had a great year, and Miami and Ohio have both had really good years. Yeah, but like, I just I want JMU to play somebody that's impactful. Like, you know, it's it's always like that thing that we get mad about Bob in the NCAA basketball tournament when they put two uh, group of five mid majors against each other, and you're like, oh, that's great, they're gonna beat each other, and then like they're not gonna get any respect. Like, I want to get JMU. A meaningful game. So there's the famous Toastery Bowl in Charlotte, North Carolina, which I don't know necessarily. I'm looking at Brett McMurphy's uh, bowl predictions, so I don't know necessarily. It doesn't list like who the affiliates are, but it has a Mac versus a Sun Belt. If we could get Liberty and JMU to play in Charlotte, I think that would be a tremendous game. I would agree with that one. Uh, which bowl is that? Because I am on one of those sites that has the... Um Toastery Bowl, the, famous Toastery Bowl. Yeah, which I've never heard of. I have no idea what famous Toastery is. It, it must. Oh, it, you know what it is, Matt. Um, it replaces this year because I'm on a different site. 
Uh, and Matt's in our studio today, and I'm hosting remotely, by the way, 804-327-0888. I'm on a Fan Nation site that does list the conference affiliations, and that one says Conference USA and Mac for the famous Toastery Bowl. And here's the deal with that one. That was the Bahamas Bowl that got moved due to renovations of the stadium down there in the Bahamas. So it's displaced for a year. Otherwise, JM, you could have been going to the Bahamas, Matt. Oh, and, and the best part of that one is if you ever read the stories about the Bahamas Bowl, like, there's no, like, like they obviously there's a ticket thing, but, like, they, they're very lax when it comes mm-hmm. to tickets. Like, fans were getting on the sidelines. There was, like, <laughs> beer that was, like, being brought in, and it was just, like, it was run like a, like a frat house. But it that would have been a lot of fun to go to Bahamas to see uh, Liberty and JMU. But this game's in Charlotte, Bob. I mean, I, I think that would be tremendous. And, by the way, we don't talk about it. The Sun Belt got 12 teams in to a bowl game. Which, on the one hand, I will say is amazing. I will. On the other hand, and I was looking at this because I figured you and I were going to talk about it, and the entire East, which we've said was going to be the best division in the Sun Belt year after year, the entire East is going to a bowl game, and you know, all but two teams in the West are going to a bowl game. But one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them are six and six. I still just have a problem with that. I know I can't get over that, but that's fine. They're all going to go. Here's the other, but man, I, I do think one of those MAC teams would be worth it for them, particularly if it was like Toledo, which is you know nationally ranked. I think that would give JMU all sorts of impetus and a storyline and a headline to try and knock off a nationally ranked team. It's been really good for quite some time now in in the Toledo Rockets. And then the other one I was looking at is how about a team like um, like Memphis? I think Memphis might be a good opponent for them out of the American, or maybe the loser of the Tulane SMU game for the American Championship game. I would love Tulane because I got into it with Tulane fans when I said JMU was the best group of five team and they all got mad at me and I said you guys barely beat East Carolina and Tulsa like you can't talk. By the way, I'm also on uh, CBS Sports' website. Jerry Palm does Mm -hmm. this apparently. He has JMU and Liberty playing in the New Orleans Bowl. That'd be okay. Which... I don't know. Have you gone to New Orleans? How far is New Orleans from here? Oh, uh, I don't think you can drive it, man. Oh. That's the problem with that one. It's a long way. Yeah, I've, I've flown to New Orleans, so I have not driven. But I, I don't think it's um, I don't think it's a day trip. Let's put it that way. But I've never be been. A fun city. It would be a fun city to go to for a bowl game, no doubt about that. I went the year that Florida State played Michael Vick in Virginia Tech in the Sugar Bowl for the national championship. Actually, uh, we did shows down there in a you know. In a different radio life, shall I say, um, back in the day. But so I have been to New Orleans for a bowl game. Matter of fact, that would be fun. That would be, and you're convinced. I, you don't have to convince me. I, I think Liberty JMU would be outstanding for all of us, no doubt about that. Um, and it would have enough, I think, weight to carry, you know, some viewership and some rating numbers and some national national interest. Like I don't think. I mean, if if and obviously for us it would be different. But like if JMU played Syracuse, like I don't think that does anything for for the Dukes. Like they they would crush Syracuse and it would show nothing. So like I want them to play somebody that matters. And that that one I hate to say it because I'm picking on our alma mater here, but that that they prove my point about this six and six mediocrity thing. They've already fired their coach, and yet because they haven't won enough games and they're not successful enough, and now they're going to a bowl game. And I don't know. That just makes it so watered down to me that it, it's hard for me to, to to grasp that. Like in the NCAA basketball tournament, if you give me one, you know team that slips in that was 13 and 15 or 15 and 17 because they won their conference championship i can live with that 
But we've got so many 6-6 six and six teams here that it's hard for me to get too excited about that. So Jerry Palm has ODU playing Utah State in the Hawaii Bowl. That's that's always good for fun. ODU. Yes, good for ODU. Oh. Wasn't it ODU that played in the Bahamas Bowl one year? That you were just talking about, you know, the craziness down there. I don't, thi- I don't what think they, so. Oh, maybe they, they did. In? What did they play in? I'll look that up while you're while you're talking. Um. So yeah. So that would be tremendous. I mean, obviously the opponent, but and I, I can't imagine Bob the flights to Hawaii for December twenty third game. I got to imagine that's very, very, very expensive. I would think so. Um. He's yes, got Old Dominion played in the Bahamas Bowl by the way. Twenty sixteen. Bobby Wilder was their head coach. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um. Then he's got Virginia Tech playing Memphis in the Military Bowl, which would be an easy trip for Hokie fans. Yep, that would be a good one. The Military Bowl, that's a good, that's in Annapolis, right? Uh-huh. I was there one year when, when Temple lost by a million to Wake Forest. <laughs> that was not fun, but... Two teams that had beyond disappointing years this season. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, it I was... think you could argue Wake's was even more disappointing because so much was expected of them. Of course, they had quarterback issues, but well, anyway. I think we all just assumed, and and he's I'm not going to downgrade him, but we all just assumed Dave Clawson was an offensive genius, and he was going to take Mitch Griffiths and turn him into Sam Hartman, and yeah, it's exactly. not that easy. No, it's not. No, it's not. Anyway, you were saying, and then obviously he has Liberty and JMU playing December 16th in the New Orleans Bowl. That seems to be the popular pick, so let's go with it. I would be totally fine with that. It'd be great for us, right? It'd give us plenty to talk about and interviews to have and conversation. Just like you said, just put it in the best place possible and see how many people can get there. By the way, 2033 and 2034, uh, Liberty and JMU are playing. All right, that's far enough in advance that we need to get them to play before then, so let's go for it. If you were going to tell me they were playing like in the next couple of years, something like that, I might say, don't worry about this year and give them other opponents. But in that case, sure. And, and like, they're not against playing each other. It's not one of these things where like the state legislature has to get involved and so you have to play each other. They're not. They're, they're on future schedules, obviously. So why not put them in a bowl game? I was looking through some of the, the Sunbelt uh, tie-ins because that's going to play a part in this, right? I mean, even... Even with not having enough eligible teams and adding, well, I'll tell you the other one, this would be really underwhelming, wouldn't it? They could just match JMU and Jacksonville State, put them in a bowl game. So it would be underwhelming to the common college football fan. I think that would be tremendous. Rich Rod right. uh, going up against JMU. I mean, they've had such a good season. And and we could talk about this a little bit later if you want the Delaware moving up to, yeah. to FBS and everybody thinking it's easy now. But like Jacksonville State, their first year as an FBS team, like they outclassed a lot of the opponents they played. I think it would be a fun game, Bob, but it wouldn't do much for JMU. Right. I agree. I agree. It makes sense just because they're the two teams that, you know, were ineligible that are now eligible, and they both had really good years, all of that. So if you like it, Mac, you, Matt, you're you're my mid-major expert. I would I would go with that for sure. I am looking through the uh, allegiance, the uh, alignments, and I know we got to move on and get to the break here in a moment. But uh, the Sun Belt is in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. You would love that one. That one you could drive to, Matt. That's down there in Conway, South Carolina, right off of Myrtle Beach. I've been down there before. That would be a good one. You mentioned they're in the New Orleans Bowl. Uh, let me see. I think there was at least one more that they had a decent tie-in to. Mobile, Mobile Alabama. Yeah, I, and I've heard Mobile. I've been to Mobile once for a basketball game. Very nice town. But I would think for a bowl game, it would be even more so. Uh, the Mac and the Sun Belt are in the Camellia Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama. That's not terrible either, if you want a Mac opponent. And in the 68 Venture Bowl, that's the one you just mentioned in Mobile, right? Uh, yeah. Is the Boca Raton Bowl a Sunbelt Bowl? Um, Boca, is that what it's called? Because I'm looking yes, for Yes, December it. 21st. December 21st. 
Um, let's see. Uh, uh, oh, here it is. The RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl is a group of five at-large bowl game. Okay. Because I'm looking at Jerry Palm's thing, and there's a lot of pool versus pool. So, like, he has yeah. the Myrtle Beach Bowl. He has the New Orleans Bowl. He has the Cure Bowl down in Orlando. Mm-hmm. That's Is that also Sunbelt tie-in? Uh, let me find that That's one. December 16th. The uh, Cure Bowl is... It's got to be the third or fourth one, maybe. Yeah, it's a group of five at large matchup. So there's that. And then uh, the Frisco Bowl in Texas, that one probably is another uh, group of five at large. That's December 19th. Frisco, Texas. Yep, that is group of five. You're right. At large also. Uh, Birmingham, you mentioned. Uh, Camellia, you mentioned. Armed Forces Bowl down in Fort Worth, Texas. That has Big 12 versus somebody, it looks like. What date is that? Oh, here it is. I got it. Uh, Conference USA. American versus Conference USA. Interesting, because Jerry Palm has Louisiana playing, but they must not have enough bowl tie-ins. Right, I guess if they don't have enough tie-ins, they're going to go indep- you know, at large. Hawaii uh, Bowl has Mountain West versus AAC, but ODU would play in that game. App State. Yeah. So the first responder bowl, December 26th, has Air Force versus App State in Texas, <laughs> Dallas. Huh. Let me look at that one. Then we got to roll here, but let me get to that. Um... December 26th, which one? First Responder Bowl? Yes. Is uh, AAC, ACC, or Big 12? So, obviously, those conferences don't have enough because it has Air Force and Appalachian State. Well, the Sun Belt's got to send 12 teams, so they need bowl games to go to. So they're they're not going to stick with the allegiances, you know, at that point because they need teams. Just put it put Liberty and Charlotte in, or Liberty and JMU in Charlotte, and let's go. I'm fine with that. That'd be great. Let, uh, the only other thing I would say, just for the guys, I'd love for them to go to a more tropical port of call just to have, you know, nothing against Charlotte at all, a great city. But you Myrtle know, Beach. Myrtle Beach, something like that would be fun for them. I'm doing this for me, Bob. I don't care about them. I want me. I don't me. blame you. I don't. And I want you to go, Matt. You have been so supportive of JMU, uh, maybe a little overly supportive of JMU. Oh, yeah. And I have, I've probably been the other way, honestly. Uh, but I, I think you deserve that opportunity to go. And look, you and Kurt Signetti are tight at this point, so you might as well go. I mean, come on. He would take you. I would hope so. I mean, I saw him smile after the game, so like I'm ready to see yeah. him smile yeah. some more. All right. Anyway, uh, pretty good for the, for the Commonwealth of Virginia here, right? Virginia Tech, Old Dominion, Liberty, James Madison. Of course, we've still got Richmond going in the FCS playoffs and Randolph-Macon going. Wow, did they uh, they bombed the Bombers Saturday. Just uh, really ripped uh, Ithaca and move on to play Johns Hopkins up there in Baltimore. This week, we'll be talking about all of that during uh, the shows that we do have this week. Here's what we got on today's Sports Huddle. Here's what's coming up on today's Sports Huddle. Just a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown brought to you by our friends at the Henrico Sports Entertainment Authority. It's great to be able to partner with our guy, Dennis Bickmeyer, and his team, which will be hosting our annual traditional holiday cheer and gear. I guess we had a little bump in the road there over the pandemic, so it's not necessarily annual, but it is traditional holiday cheer and gear. We hope you'll make plans to stop by. Check out Matt and me. We'll both be broadcasting live Monday, December 11th at the new Henrico Sports and Events Center. We'll be on the air beginning at 3 o'clock. We're collecting all that great sporting gear, sports gear, basketball, baseball, soccer balls, lacrosse sticks, all of that. Any kind of sports gear for kids about 10 to 16 years of age. It'll be distributed by the 
Salvation Army Christmas Assistance Program. And then our shows will lead into a college basketball game, a women's college basketball game, at the Henrico Sports and Entertainment Authority when VCU takes on Delaware. You can check out ticket information for that at HenricoSEA.com. HenricoSEA.com. All right. Uh, Matt and I were with you till 5 o'clock, mashup Monday. We love doing that, although it's going to change a little bit after this week. We'll tell you more about that later on as well as we get into the meat of the college basketball season. That changes our programming schedule for you a little bit as well. Um, and then we're open this afternoon. So I want to get into everything Matt was talking about and then some with college football, college basketball, the NFL, certainly, um, you know, all of our teams that are involved. Uh, we'll do all of that. Uh, let me get the break in here. We'll get back on the other side. 804-327-0888. Mashup Monday, Border to Border Sports Huddle, 106.1 ESPN. The NFL season is in full swing, and we don't want anyone to forget. We have NFL coverage every Sunday afternoon, as well as every Dallas Cowboys broadcast. Here on your home for sports in the River City, 1061 ESPN Richmond. Traffic reports on 106. The Dallas Cowboys all season is 1061 ESPN. Brought to you by Arthur's Electric and Park and Go. you on our mashup monday edition of uh, border to border and the sports huddle this afternoon and uh, let me just give you a couple of quick programming notes while i'm thinking about it uh with richmond's football victory on saturday comes another busy week for us on the air here the return the postseason edition of behind the web with coach russ huseman will be held this thursday at the brass tap over there at libby mill midtown uh, from noon until 1. So I've had a lot of questions about that already. And, yes, we will do another Behind the Web Coaches radio show. It'll be Wednesday, noon to 1. Come on over there and talk some spider football with us. Uh, Coach Usman, myself, and our special player guest is defensive end Marlon Lewis, who had three quarterback sacks in the victory over North Carolina Central on Saturday. And then that gives us a double header on Saturday afternoon. We'll have Richmond football, well, actually Saturday morning, 1130. Hope you're up early, Matt, because Matt will be in the studio producing. We missed you Saturday, by the way, Matt. Hope you're doing better. Uh, we're getting there, Bob. We're getting there. I, I feel your pain. Probably not quite as bad as you had it, but I do feel your pain at this point in time. Anyway, uh, 11.30 airtime for Richmond football at Albany. Second round of the FCS playoffs. Kickoff a little bit after noon. And then 5.30 airtime for Spider basketball at the Robbins Center against William & Mary with a 6 o'clock tip time. So fortunately, Matt, we're kind of getting used to doing this. This is back-to-back years now that the Spiders have gotten a couple rounds into the football playoffs and makes for a very busy basketball-football crossover, but it's all for a good cause, right? Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I had the, as you mentioned, the unfortunate uh, to sit home and watch the game cast and uh, was not happy early, thought my season was going to be over with the football team, and then I saw the unfortunate fake punt, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going on. And then you guys came back and won, so I was very happy. I think that's a great way to put it, the unfortunate Fake punt. I think the Spiders got a little gadget trick play happy at that point because they've been running so many of them during this winning streak, and I think all of them have been successful. I don't think they've had but maybe one trick play that maybe was an incomplete pass, nothing that was a disaster, and they tried that fake punt, 
deep in their own territory, and it was a disaster. They they bobbled the snap. They got sacked in the backfield. They gave NC Central a very short field. So, yes, unfortunate fake punts. Probably a great way to put that. The touchdown the Spiders got right before halftime, nine seconds to go, when Kyle Wickersham hit Nick DeGenero in the back of the end zone. That changed the entire complexion. Uh, momentum, everything of that game. It got them within a touchdown, and then they just rolled in the second half. Savon Smith had the punt return for a touchdown. That obviously helped seal the deal for the Spiders. And I think, to be honest with you, they were the superior team. Um, I think they were more talented. I think they were deeper. And I think probably, Matt, they were a little more motivated. And Russ Huseman talked about this today on the um, CAA teleconference. Look, NC Central out of the MEAC, their big deal is to go to that Celebration Bowl, which is coming up against the champion of the SWAC. Um, they sell you know, one of the dome stadiums out for that. They have all the bands and all the festivities, and that's their big deal. Uh, to them, the consolation prize is the FCS playoffs, and NC Central got upset uh, by Howard University and didn't get a chance to go to the Celebration Bowl. I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not, uh, but it was a different feel for NC Central. Now, I will say this. They traveled great. They brought a great contingent of fans to Robin Stadium. Kudos for them to do to do that. But I just think it was a, a, an intriguing matchup there. Two teams that maybe had a little bit different motivation about them. But what the heck, Mac? On they moved to Albany in a conference showdown in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, yeah, nothing like a nice uh, trip to Albany for you, Bob. I mean, I'm sure it's right up there with uh, Olean, New York, I'm sure, right? Uh, it's a little better than Olean, New York. Come on now, it's the state capital of New York. You did know that, right, Albany? Of course. Is the, yes, is the state capital of New York. I will say this, it's better than going to Sacramento. Like last year when we figured we were paired with Sacramento, everybody was like, oh, that's cool. Let's go to Sacramento. That's in California. We'll have a great time. It'll be warm and sunny, and it was a miserable trip. It rained. It was cold. It was windy. Uh, the trip is ridiculously long out there. And then the heartbreak of losing the game by a touchdown uh, didn't help coming back either. So I think this group, those that experienced last year's game, are totally fine with going to Albany, uh, getting on a plane, just going up the eastern seaboard. We've done it before. Uh, not with this group. This team hasn't been up there since 2018. They haven't played since 2019. So the fact that they're in the same conference is almost a moot point here because other than seeing them on tape when you're scouting another opponent, there's been no crossover between Richmond and Albany. So believe it or not, Matt, I know the weather's not going to be great up there. That impacts Matt Smith on the sideline a lot more than it does Chris Anderson and me in the booth. Uh, but I'd much rather have this trip, you know, an hour, hour and 15 minutes, whatever it's going to be, up to Albany than going, you know, out to one of the Dakotas or Idaho, which could happen in a couple of weeks, uh, or even out to, to Sacramento, which turned out to be a miserable trip. So I'm okay with Albany, Matt. All right. As long as, 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 long as it works for you. We, we're, <laughs> we're going you and then, uh, obviously, uh, your commentators, uh, Matt Smith, and then we're going to worry about the team afterwards. Well, I'm following your lead. When you said all this is all about you for scheduling JMU in a reasonably close locale for their bowl game. Of course. So, so if we get that for you, then we get this for me. Exactly. But I think the entire team is pretty happy about it. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll use, hopefully use it to, to their advantage. Albany's just really good. Uh, they went 9-3 and three this year. They got to play a 12th game because one of their games was at Hawaii. Speaking of Hawaii, which you did in the last segment. So when you do that, the NCAA allows you to play another game because you've got to take an extra week at the beginning of the year uh, to play Hawaii. 
So they actually played 12 games and went 9-3. and three. They had the coach of the year, the defensive player of the year, the rookie of the year in the CAA, and I think they had like 15 all-conference selections, which was the most uh, of any team in the CAA. Matt, let me ask you this question. I think I'm going to ask Russ Usman this, and then we'll get to a break, and let's move on. Let's get to college basketball or, or, or something else because we'll have plenty of spider talk this week. I know you'll have a guy on Wednesday, and as I said, the coach's show comes back on Thursday, and we have the game. So one of the best players this year for Albany is Amir Hall, who played for Richmond through last year, defensive back. Really good kid, uh, had a really good career at Richmond. For whatever reason, decided he wanted something different. Never really found out why, and he wound up at Albany. And he's had a great year. I think he's tied for the lead in interceptions. He's a defensive back. Uh, I think he even had a pick six maybe against William and Mary. So he's had, a, he's had a great year. I, I was going to ask Russ Huseman this, Matt. I know this happens in baseball all the time, but do you think the Spiders have to, like, change their signs? And I don't want to get into a sign-stealing scandal here, but obviously Amir is going to know how Richmond does things. Do you think the Spiders have to take some time this week to maybe do things a little bit differently if they haven't already because they got a guy on the other sideline who knows it pretty well from his time with the Spiders? Nope. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I, I mean, if you're changing that for one player, you know, you should be changing stuff up every week anyway, because obviously with people watching videos and, and TV uh, and stuff like that, you should be changing it up anyway. But no, I wouldn't do anything differently. All right. Good answer. I think I'll ask Coach Usman about that a little bit just to see if they if they have to do anything. And if anybody has a little bit of an advantage there, uh, Amir certainly knows a lot of the spider offensive guys and vice versa. You know, they'll they'll know him and his tendencies in that backfield there for for Albany. But they've got some other great defensive players. Like I said, they have a linebacker who was the defensive player of the year. So that'll be great to watch him against Tristan Wheeler, the spiders, great linebacker. So um, should be a really good game. The only unfortunate part about it is it means one C.A team is going to get knocked out after this weekend. So there are four left with the two that got buys, Villanova and Albany and Delaware, which had to come from behind to beat Lafayette and then Richmond, which had to come from behind to beat North Carolina Central. All right, we're getting behind, so let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Let's touch on that Delaware story that it seems like they're headed to Conference USA, and we'll touch on some college basketball as well. Matt there, Bob here, Lewis producing this afternoon. It's Mashup Monday on 106.1 ESPN. Let's get social. Follow us on X and Instagram at ESPN Richmond. And find us on Facebook by searching ESPN Richmond. Don't miss a thing from your home for sports in Richmond. 1061 ESPN. We just head to our website and to our This Week on 1061 ESPN Richmond page for a preview of what's to come on 1061 ESPN. through some of the uh, texts that you and I have been getting this afternoon. And uh, I love the one from Corey that said, JMU bowl game prediction, no clue but hope it's warm and near a casino. He sounds like you, Matt. That's what he's looking for, warm and a casino, and I don't blame either one of you. Uh, yeah, 
you know, our our you know, our own school, Bob. You know, we want them to go to a bowl game, but I would I think I'd have a lot more fun following JMU. That's for sure. Absolutely, no doubt about it. They'll get stuck in the pinstripe bowl at Yankee Stadium again, or they'll already, play at Fenway, or or at Fenway. Yes, which sounds great to a baseball guy like me, but not in December. I don't want to go there in December. No. It's too bad the Bahamas Bowl isn't happening this year because that would take care of both warm and a casino. Uh, New Orleans would get you a casino. It is normally warmer, but I don't think it's like 80s in, in December in New Orleans. So uh, those would be a couple of spots for them. Uh, Myrtle Beach would be, a, would be a great spot for them as well. I hope it happens. I really do. Um, all right, this Delaware thing, Matt, uh, what do you think here? I mean, this has been rumored and talked about, at least for those of us that are in the CAA, and I'm in it only for football, not for the other sports. This has been rumored for, for a few years now since they started you know, upgrading their facilities, primarily their resources, new athletic director who came from an FBS program, that they were going to make this move eventually. And I guess it's not necessarily official yet, but all of the uh, reporters that we respect are reporting that Delaware is going to Conference USA as, I guess, their 10th team, right? Yeah, and... Um I, I, I posted on Twitter, Bob, and I think eventually Jacksonville State and James Madison are making it look easy. They're like, oh, you can make the leap, and then you're going to have a really good football team, and you're, you know, your basketball team's going to do pretty well, and it's going to be great. But like, somebody's going to make the leap, Bob, and they're not going to be able to handle it financially, and they're going to start cutting sports, and they're going to hate their life. And I'm not saying it's Delaware, but like, eventually somebody's going to, you know, the bottom's going to drop out. Well, you made the point, and I've made this point in previous shows when talking and arguing about JMU, is the rules are changing for upgrading from FCS to FBS, and it's now a $5 million entry fee instead of a silly $5,000 entry fee. And hopefully with the $5 million entry fee comes a reduction or an elimination of the transition period. Like, if you can cut a check for $5 million, we feel pretty confident that you're going to be able to do this, that you're going to be able to to handle the increased expenses and budget at the FBS level. So it should reduce, if not eliminate, that transition period. So somehow Delaware is getting the five mil from donors, backers, the school, the state, whomever, uh, to, to do this. Now, we all know what Conference USA looks like. I mean, for all of the conferences that have silly names that are no longer, you know, the Big Ten or the Atlantic Ten or whatever, Conference USA really is Conference USA, right? I mean, your travel budget is exponentially about to rise through the roof here with the teams you're going to play and the lack of rivals that you're going to have on your schedule. I uh, I made the joke as well that eventually they're going to add a Canadian or a Mexican t- uh, university, <laughs> and they're just going to expand. Like you know, then they're going to go to Europe, and then they're going to go to you know Asia, yeah. and it's just it's I, I don't I don't see a plan. What's the plan that Conference USA is doing right now? It, there is no plan. It, it's bad. It's at least in the Sun Belt they broke it into divisions where you know there's some geography and rivalries attached to both of the divisions, particularly in the East. It's worked out really well for the Sun Belt, but the Conference USA thing, um, that that would scare me if I was if I was Delaware right now. That that would scare me a little bit. I know they want to do it. I know they want to do it for their football team, but you only have to look at UMass and UConn 
and find two disasters of programs that went from FCS to FBS. I don't know how they're surviving at either one of those schools. UMass even more so. UConn's had a little bit of success from time to time, but they're both independents now because both of those schools said, look, we're basketball schools, and we're attached to the Big East, and we're attached to the Atlantic 10, and we'll figure out football later, and it's been just a disaster uh, for those schools making that move to FBS. I mean, by the way, there is Sam Houston State who had a bad year in football, uh, they have they haven't. I mean, obviously their basketball team was already Division One, but like Sam Houston State had a bad year, and Casey Keeler is a pretty good coach, and so like there's the one team that nobody talks about. You know, we all focus on the good, but there's the negative. Now, obviously, you get you know nobody in their first year should be as good as JMU and, and Jacksonville State. So like, let's see what they do next year. But there's your cautionary tale right there. Yeah, and I would take it even beyond the winning and losing part of it. I, I just think you know crisscrossing the country year after year is going to be really difficult for them and you know they're going to have to upgrade their facility even more i mean delaware stadium's fine it's like twenty-five thousand seats now which is huge for an fcs program and that's another requirement that they've taken away is the size of your stadium you don't need it to be forty thousand seats anymore you can get away with it but they're still going to have to make some upgrades there and then as we always bring up while it's football driven What's this doing to your basketball programs? What's this doing to your Olympic sports? Uh, just look at Old Dominion when they were in Conference USA and how terrible that was. It totally destroyed their men's basketball program, if you ask me. And it's taken Jeff Jones just years to try and build it back up because he had no natural rivals. They had terrible road trips. They hung them out to dry for their football program. And it looks like that's what Delaware is doing here. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Sam Houston State Stadium holds fourteen thousand people. Like, how is that? How is that allowed in the FBS? Like, I figure you should be able to have at least twenty, thirty thousand people in your stadium. I would think so, but that is, like I just said, one of those regulations that they did away with for whatever reason. I, I don't know what it was, but I think at one time it was probably like forty thousand. You had to have or twenty-five or something like that. Um, I don't know. I, I guess if you can make revenue out of that, you can do it. But they definitely took that out of play for them. So, And you know what? Ironic about that. We were supposed to go there one year, Richmond, to play Sam Houston State. And we had the hurricane. And they moved the game a week. And we wound up playing it at Baylor's uh, Stadium. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Casey so Keeler. Got, yep, exactly. So I've never been to Sam. So I, we never got to Sam Houston State. We played them. But we never, we never got there. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll see how this plays out. I mean, I guess it's not official yet, but, you know, everybody, Pete Thamel and all those guys are saying it's it's kind of a done deal, and it'll start not next year but the year after, right, 25-26. It, it kind of stinks for the CAA. Obviously, yeah. you're losing a flagship program, um, you know, and you added a bunch of mediocre programs that you're kind of hoping will get better. I'm going to tell you who else it stinks for. Richmond, William & Mary, and Villanova. That's who it stinks for because – that even even with Richmond not and and William Mary not playing Delaware this year they should be playing each other it, it's one of those identifiable kind of rivalry like games that for inexplicably isn't being played right now in the CAA but I, I just I worry about those teams and they're like you know what what are we hanging our hat on here you just mentioned it all those other teams in the CAA I, I think this is gonna this is gonna have a domino effect. And it's going to resonate with schools like Villanova and Richmond and and William and Mary because it's just not the CAA they signed up for. Yeah, but that, so where would Richmond go in theory? Oh, there's the million dollar question, Matt. And man, I'll tell you what: many a Friday evening dinner on the road, there has been that discussion over food and drink. 
and I'll probably just leave it on those tables and not bring it up just yet at, at this point. But um, that's a little difficult to answer. I don't know that there's any 100% right answer with what to do with that. I, I don't. Um, and this makes it even a little bit more difficult, I think, with Delaware Delaware leaving if indeed that's happening. And what do you do with Delaware next year now? Right? Are you going to keep them out of it in, in the FCS, or do you let them just play and let them win and, and then go about their business in Conference USA? Well, I mean, Sam Houston State, their transition year, they played a lesser schedule. Uh, JMU obviously played the full schedule but right. didn't have a future, so there's a couple different ways it could go. So by this 25-26, does that start their transition, or are they actually starting it next year, and then they're a full member in 25-26? That's a good question. The yeah. only thing I've seen is that, they, that they're going to be Conference USA 2025, which means right. maybe they're independent in e- either, at either level. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. There will be much more to come on that. And like I said, I think it's a, it's a, it's a roll-the-dice gamble. I get why they're doing it. If I'm a Delaware football fan, I think I get a little excited about being at the FBS level until I look at the teams that we're going to be playing. Um, on the other hand, you know, you, you do worry about, you know, the travel, the rivalries, and if you're a CAA team, you know, what does the CAA do without one of its, you know, normally playoff perennial teams, right? I mean, they have a great history in this conference at this level of football, and that's another one, um, you know, that is now left. All right, we need to leave. Come back in just a moment. We'll get you up to the top of the hour. Five o'clock Sports Center update coming. Bob and Matt with you. Mashup Monday on a Monday afternoon on 1061 ESPN. The NFL season is in full swing, and we don't want anyone to forget. We have NFL coverage every Sunday afternoon, as well as every Dallas Cowboys broadcast. Here on your home for sports in the River City, 1061 ESPN Richmond. Lux Chevrolet is a proud Dallas Cowboys all season. Is 1061 ESPN brought to you by Arthur's Electric and Park and Go. All right, how about a little college basketball talk to finish up our mashup Monday 4 o'clock hour, probably spill it over into 5 o'clock. You're more than welcome to stay if you want, Matt, but I know you're still recovering, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't push you too much here. But uh, not very often when a 10.30 game on a Sunday morning grabs our attention in college basketball on Thanksgiving weekend. But obviously it did yesterday with the matchup that we were looking forward to seeing, not necessarily in the seventh place game, but the matchup we were looking forward to seeing between Ryan Odoms, VCU Rams, and former VCU coach Mike Rhodes, Penn State Nittany Lions. Big shock that uh, Mike Rhodes still can't figure out how to do half court offense. Uh, his t- his teams can his teams always relied on you know you get your turnovers you have the crowd get into it you have your teams overwhelmed but when like an actual basketball game ensues like his teams just struggle to to generate anything. Other than Ace Baldwin, who was uh, really good, 27 points and, and five assists in that game last night. Um, and I, I think, you know, VCU will, will continue to center things. Now, they could get a couple guys back here, but between Shulga and Jackson, I think they've got two game-in and game-out double-figure scorers. And if uh, Fats Billups plays like he did yesterday, I think they've got a find there as well. Yeah, and Lawal is just an athletic yep. uh, freak and can dunk and do all this stuff, and he's just going to be tremendous. And if, if Roosevelt Wheeler can figure out, you know, obviously, look, we just assumed because he was he, he was big and because he's from here, he was going to be successful. If he can figure it out, then that would be nice as well. 
another difference here is, uh, and I know they had injuries and guys ineligible, but he only played three guys off of the bench, uh, Odom, yesterday, uh, whereas Mike Rhodes, you know, and even Shaka going back to him, they, you know, they love waves of players, 10, 11, 12 guys getting in the game. And I know they had injuries and that sort of thing yesterday. And, you know, maybe they figured some things out. We've talked a lot about this, Matt. They play no true road games. These are the three games that they have away from the Seagull Center. Maybe it'll do them the world of good once they get into conference play. Yeah, this schedule was not built to make the NCAA tournament. No. It was to figure things out, grow up, and be ready for the A-10. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now they get back home for, for a long stretch uh, in the month of December before we get into – and they got a couple non-conference games coming in, right? Temple and Memphis are at least, you know, headline games. Richmond Spiders Athletics all year round. W291CL Lakeside Richmond. WURV HD2 Richmond. We are 1061 ESPN.